It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, ma. Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot, fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it like when Tatum play a Jalen on the breakaway, a Kyrie when he make a trade, and nothing like the terrible analysts on the TV. So in depth that after you play it, you got a repeat. So in depth they might do an hour about the D League. So in depth you probably should pay him, but it's a freebie. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J King locked on trying to get the 18th ring. And well wishes go to Gordon. Listen after every game is very important, Millie. Hey there, welcome back to the Lockdown Celtics Podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Thank you for being part of our daily routine and making us part of your daily routine. Uh, this time we are celebrating a 107-94 Game 2 win over the Cleveland Cavaliers, a game in which the Celtics looked kind of lost a little bit to start, and then in the second half they completely took over we are here to talk about all of the shenanigans, all of the things that have happened. I am John Corrales. He is Sam Jam Packard at the Garden. Let's get into this. Uh, I try to tell you guys, I try to tell you guys this is how this would go. And I don't know if anybody believed me, but maybe now you do. And I am taking a little bit of a victory lap because this is exactly how I said it would go. You would stand the early flurry from LeBron James. You hold him to what I mean. You you do whatever, whatever he scores, he scores. You hold the rest of the guys to under fifty, and you rope a dope him, and you have the Celtics have the advantages where it counts offensively. We saw it tonight. LeBron James, forty-two points, twelve assists, ten rebounds, but it didn't matter because the Celtics got a ton of contributions. They had six different guys scoring in double figures. They had four different guys lead quarters for them they got contributions from everybody and after a a little bit of a wake-up call at halftime they came out and stormed out and just looked like the flat-out better team yeah lebron had 42 10 and 12 tonight and a lot of that came in the the first quarter um and after that the celtics were only down i think four only down six heading into the half and then the second half they outscored the Cavaliers 59 to 39. The defense really stepped up in the second half. And then the Cavs defense, I tweeted this during the game, but it's the gift that keeps on giving. Terry Rozier missed some wide open threes in the first half, but, and, uh, he was just bound to hit those. You can't leave a shooter that good wide open. And he ended up with 16 points, uh, in the second half. He started knocking down shots. The Celtics, I mean, the, the fourth quarter, the start of fourth quarter was, ugly but that third quarter where they really um took over the game it was that that last six minutes of the of the third quarter was amazing and the the Cavs defense is just we discussed it uh before they just are scrambling they don't have much um and then the Celtics defense really clamped down on Kyle Korver uh and pretty much anyone not named LeBron James or Kevin Love in in the second half um Kevin Love and LeBron James combined for 30 of the 39 points. Uh, and then Thompson had four. Jeff Green made a three and Rodney Hood had a two. Other than that, there's just, they got nothing. It was Kevin Love, LeBron James, and then a, a whole bunch of nothing. Tristan T- Thompson, the guy who was supposed to change the series. He was going to change the series. He had some offensive rebounds. He was a little annoying, but he was certainly not an impact player. And for, for the Cavs to lose this game, Getting a, an incredible 40-point triple-double from uh, LeBron James and getting a pretty good performance from Kevin Love, they just really there's there's nothing on this roster around that team and the the Celtics just kept on playing and, and eventually their their talent was going to win out even after LeBron James had a crazy uh, crazy first quarter the fact that the Celtics were still close it just left you feeling confident and left like. And we've seen the Celtics do this the the entire season. It's just like they can will always play well, uh, and they're always going to keep themselves in the games. And towards the end, it felt like the Cavs just really 
gave up and started resorting to tomfoolery and shenanigans. And it, it, <laughs> it was just like the weakest move from J.R. Smith. And I love that um, Anna Horford basically just posted a, a chant into existence. She immediately tweeted, fuck you, Jr." And then the crowd <laughs> immediately started. It was like boom, boom. It was definitely causal. Uh, but yeah, I just, it, the Cavs defense and their offense was just horrendous in the second, second half. And so I don't know what their solution is because I thought LeBron James going off was, was the solution for the Cavaliers, but that, that clearly wasn't it because he was damn good tonight. Uh, and this, they still got blown out. Yeah. Let, let me just flat out say that what JR did was disgusting. And anybody who's ever played the game uh, knows that if you're going up like that and you get pushed in the small of your back, it's that and getting undercut that are two, the two most dangerous places, it's the two easiest ways for somebody to get hurt. Getting pushed in the back when you're going up and getting undercut when you're going up. And it is absolutely fucking disgusting that... Not only that he did that, because he's a piece of shit anyway, because he's done that before. When he gets frustrated and he can't handle that he's losing, he does stuff like that, and it pisses me off. He went out there, Al Horford, like, you don't want to see anybody get hurt, but Al Horford is the guy. He is the guy on this team that they cannot stand to lose. All of these other injuries that they've had, they've had depth at those positions, and those guys have stepped up amazingly. Al Horford is not the, you can't lose him. To have J.R. Smith pull that and then to only get a flagrant one? Now, I tweeted out, like right before that play, I tweeted out that J.R. Smith has been one of the most important Celtics players because he has sucked <laughs> this entire series. He has been absolute dog shit this entire series. And then he pulls that. And from a tactical perspective, I want him on the floor because he's terrible, but really? I mean, I think that's what the refs were refs were doing. I think the refs thought it would be too much of a benefit for the Cavaliers if they kicked they him out of the game. Out? Yeah, but he needs, he needs to be suspended. They need to upgrade that to a flagrant two. They need to suspend him. They need to fine his ass because he's got a history of doing stuff like this, and that's, that's bullshit. You cannot have that. And it's, it, it was awesome in the way, not, it was definitely not awesome, but the way it galvanized and pissed off Al Horford, who I think scored like the next eight points in the game, uh, it was, it was a crazy moment here at the garden just because like they, the, the crowd really exploded then. And it's just, it was the, it's the ultimate like just frustration and just like dumb thing to do. Like I, I get it, JR, you missed all seven shots tonight and you, you, you could sense game two slipping away. But the Cavs were still kind of close at that point. I think it was a – they were still uh, – they had got it to six uh, right around there, like a couple plays before there. They still had a chance in this game. It's just a, it's just stupid. Like why give the crowd any more of a motivation? Why give Al Horford a, a shots and the ball? It's just it, completely idiotic. And I don't think he should be suspended until um, the regular season next year because – He's too much of value to the Celtics yeah, right now. Right, seriously, seriously. He's and they had to keep him. They had to take him off the court because he was so bad in this game. And then Jalen Brown just abused Kyle Korver uh, in the post, so they had to bring Jr. back for that stretch. The, the the Cavs don't have options. Like I, you talked about the matchup issues. The Cavs just don't have guards. They went for a while in this game with LeBron playing point guard, and they didn't have a, like a true point guard on the on the floor. They just don't have guys who are quick enough and who can defend. George Hill was basically meaningless in this entire game. JR, likewise, Kyle Korver had to, had a nice first half, but then he was completely silent in the second half. I just don't know who they turned to. Jose Calderon? Sure. <laughs> yeah. You want it more Jordan tough. Clarkson? Sure. I mean, like, I just don't know what their solution is because, like, you, you would say, oh, that for the Cavs to win, LeBron needs to have a, like a 40 point triple double. Maybe he needs a 60 point triple double. Like, that's, that's, it just, they yeah. have a real str- – like they really, really struggle to score points. And LeBron looks a little bit gassed or tired, definitely in the second quarter where he didn't have uh, Benny. Like he went balls to the wall in the first quarter. He had an amazing first quarter. He was pretty much unstoppable. Uh, but I just don't think that kind of level of effort and on the offensive end is sustainable from him for 48 minutes. So, again, I'm, I'm here like kind of at a loss for words about what the, what the Cavs can do to adjust – uh, 
if it because their role players hit threes. I mean, Kyle Korver hit some threes in this game. Um, Jeff Green hit a three. Like, I don't know who they turn to in these in these moments to get the the extra offense they need to uh, really score with the Celtics because we know the defense is going to be there. They can't rotate to save their life. There's so many open shots the Celtics got tonight, and in the first half the Celtics really weren't hitting them. They were getting good looks, but they weren't hitting them. And by if like they're going to fall, they have a number of skilled players out there. If the Cavs really want to compete in the series, they're going to need to kind of blow the doors off the Celtics um, when they're on offense. And I think the Celtics' defense is too good. They like they're no matter who they run out there, it, they're a very solid defensive player. And this team plays so well, um, playing on a string. Uh, they're communicating. They actually, Celtics had some some poor uh, communication tonight and kind of lost some guys. Allowed Kevin Love to get open sometimes. So I think the Celtics can actually play better defensively. Um, and so I don't know what the Cavs are supposed to do right now. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, no, the, the Celtics did have a couple of miscues, and it, it, it led to things kind of almost fall, getting out of hand. But the you, you do have the going home, role players play better at home thing. That'll happen. That... Uh, Jordan. They better come out and smack the Celtics in the mouth in the first quarter because they, they have to. if the, Celt- the Celtics take like a lead, then all the LeBron is leaving demons come in. Uh, you like all of this kind of just negative energy piles onto the Cavaliers if they drop down big at any point in the in game three. Um, that's going to be huge for them. And I'm really pissed off right now that we have to wait till Saturday for the game three. <laughs> I know the schedule is weird. It's so weird, but. You know, might be might not be a bad thing to get. You know, it looked like Marcus Smart tweeted something. Uh, it doesn't matter. Marcus Smart is an agent of chaos, and nothing <laughs> will stop him. His one play where he was uh, just stole the ball in the backcourt, dove and saved it. I'm so I was very mad at Jason Tatum for missing the the pull up from the yeah, I know. line because, I mean, everything Marcus Smart did tonight was just insane. And not to mention, like on top of all that, like we can talk about the the Marcus Smart insanity. Uh, because that's sure a lot of fun and he did a lot of it tonight, but he had nine assists tonight. He was a damn good playmaker and facilitator. Uh, and I think he deserves a lot of credit for what he did. Game high plus 21, no surprise there, but 11 points, nine assists and five boards. He was everywhere on the court tonight and he, I think he was the Celtics probably the most important player. And it's interesting because, uh, Jalen Brown did uh, a lot of the scoring in the first quarter. It was Tatum in the second quarter, Tito in the third, and Horford in the fourth. And like that, those four guys clearly had all their roles. But I still think Marcus Smart was like the most impressive guy in terms of the energy he brought and um, the defense that he just intensity that he brought to this team. Well, remember when we were talking about it in the Buck series that that we we were talking about Marcus Smart's energy. He raises the level when he's out there doing that stuff. 
you have to match what he's doing or else you look like an idiot. He goes out there and makes those diving plays. He made insane plays tonight. He had <laughs> he had that one stretch where he went up to shoot and he lost the ball. So he two-hand volleyball spiked it over to Mook for a shot. Twisted his ankle in the process. Yeah. Like he twists his ankle on that. Mook makes the shot. And then he, with a twisted ankle, just makes an incredible steal to get another Mook basket. Right. And, then- and see, see what I did there? No notes. I remembered two basketball plays consecutively. Booyah kasha. That's my standing ovation from the media room. The uh, Then he makes that diving play along the sideline. Then he has that crazy follow-up uh, after a Jalen Brown miss that it's just, he that was he tipped the ball out to keep the, the possession alive. Then it leads to a missed shot that he then follows up and falls on his back, and it's almost like he's exhausted. But then he gets right back up. It, it's just ridiculous. There's no words to describe what Marcus Smart does. It's hard to quantify all of those things. You can't really put that into a, a neat little spreadsheet and say this is this number tells you what Marcus Smart does. You just have to see it and be like, Jesus, I can't believe this guy is flying around like this. So, yeah, he was – and this is, I think, the microcosm of this series, that LeBron James is clearly, with 42 points, 12 assists, 10 rebounds, he's out there. It's just a monster, monster game. Everyone's going to be fawning over that game. The Celtics got a bunch of nice nights, and you sit there and say, oh, Tatum had 11 points. Nice night. 12 points for Marcus Morris. Eh? Horford, 15 and 10. So, 23 and 23 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists for Jalen Brown. Okay, that's good. Still not LeBron. But in each, for each one of those guys, they, like you said, you listed them off. Each one of those guys took turns dominating the game. Jalen Brown in the first quarter was amazing. Jason Tatum put on a show in the second quarter. Tito came out in the third quarter and was just scary Terry to like, he just, all of a sudden he showed up. And then Al Horford and Marcus Smart, especially like we just said, that's the difference in this series. That Cleveland doesn't really have maybe more than two guys, maybe three, that you hope can come up with something like that. Today, two came up with it. LeBron and Kevin Love. When you have, and look at the positions, a forward, a guard, your center, you know, a, a two wings. You like, who guards these guys? Who, where, where do you get the help to, to stop one of these guys? And when you help to stop one of these guys, another one pops up. That's the difference. That's where the Celtics really shine against the Cavs because once the Cavaliers fall behind, I don't know how they can come back. Because to come back, you need stops and scores. And if LeBron is being passive, or if LeBron is tired, or who knows, maybe LeBron's concussed. He took a wicked shot to the jaw. That was that was pretty significant. And he didn't look the same after that. But whatever it is, if he's not doing his thing, it's hard for other people to do theirs. And it's hard for Kevin Love to do his thing without getting passes from LeBron or somehow getting mismatches through the pick and roll. That's, to me, the difference. The Celtics can score. They can throw. Any one of those guys can go out there and score. Any one of the starters could go out there and score 10, 12, 15 points in a quarter. That wouldn't be surprising. How many Cavaliers can do that? And if the Celtics are down like they were tonight by double digits... Then they they were down as much as 11. And they come back because they've got good defense to get stops and they got a bunch of guys who can score. So Cleveland in game three is going to have to get the same LeBron plus something out of George Hill. He was terrible. They're going to have to get something out of Jeff Green, who was god-awful. Kyle Korver was okay, but you need him to be better than okay. They got nothing. 
No, they they don't. And the so you talk about the mismatch issues, but I just think there's like a a, a toughness and an effort uh, problem that the Cavaliers have, and then maybe that just goes with playing the Celtics. But the Celtics are one a mentally tough team, but a physically tough team. Um, and that's I mean I think that starts with Marcus Smart, and but we saw Al Horford get a rebound over four and a half Cavaliers in the final possession that the Celtics absolutely needed. And it felt like every 50, 50 ball uh, the Celtics are going to get. And when it comes to intensity and playing on defense and playing physical, the Celtics are just outmanning the Cavs um, in pretty much every respect of the game. So it's one thing to have um, the more physically aggressive team, but you put that on top of like the matchup problems that you talk about. And, uh, are the Cavs done or are they finished? Like, I don't know, like, what else to say. I, I, are the Celtics going to the NBA Finals? Like, is, are the hospital Celtics going to end up in the NBA Finals? It's, it's looking. I don't want to, I don't want to predict that. Let's, I don't want to, I don't want to say that. We still got two games to win. Or, but they, but I, I, I'm at I know, a loss for words. I know. Cause we're trained. We're trained to sit here and say a LeBron James team can't do that. Um, and I was listening to a podcast where they were saying, "Hey, if the Celtics—I mean, if the uh, yeah—if the Celtics go up two nothing, you think the Cavaliers are done?" And the instinctual response was, "Well, no, this is a team that came back from three-one down, three-one in the finals." But that's not this team. People got to understand that that's not this team. That Tristan Thompson is not the monster that he was. Oh, and they don't have Kyrie Irving. He's on our right. bench. <laughs> right, and J.R. Smith is trash now trash even though he'll come up big every once in a while he's still generally trash george hill is just not performing up to any level that they expected and then all of the other guys uh larry nance that they got nothing i and i gotta i gotta say that i did think that larry nance could come in in this series in this game and be like one of those high energy matchup problems and he he wasn't. He came in and was kind of flying around a little bit. And I was like, oh, shit, here we go. This is going to be the weird one. He's going to be the weird guy that does things. And we're going to we're going to have to account for that. And then he just kind of faded away. None of these guys have a thing. We talked about Marcus Smart, Marcus Smart. And those plays when you say, what does Boston have that Cleveland doesn't? Marcus Smart. That's a great example. Another great example to me. Al Horford in the first quarter got switched on to Hill and Hill spent, I don't know what, 10 seconds of the play, 10 seconds of the shot clock. It was, it was James Harden-esque. Yeah. He just kept dribbling and dribbling and dribbling between his legs. He started on the left side of the floor. He went to the right side of the floor. He kept trying to ball handle his way into getting Al Horford to step or lean or do something. Yeah, like James Harden, exactly. It's a great way to put it, Sam. Like James Harden gets you to lean one way, and he then he burns you. But Al Horford didn't lean anyway, and he forced Hill baseline, so Hill just went and tried to do a wraparound, and Al Horford blocked him. He met him at the rim. Normally, like that situation is you're using the rim as the trying to block your defender, and Horford was quick enough to get the block. It was, it was a damn uh, good uh, defensive play from Al Horford, who um, people forget is the best defensive player on the league's best defensive team. That's right. That's right. And so that is the center switching on to the point guard, defending him positionally, defending him for an extended period of time, and then denying him at the rim. That does not exist outside of LeBron James. LeBron James is the only guy on that team that can switch on to any player and pull that kind of playoff. They don't have anybody else that can do that. The Celtics, meanwhile, have Al Horford, who showed you he can do it. Jalen Brown can basically do that. Jason Tatum has, maybe not every time, but is is capable of it. Rozier has been able to do stuff like that. Like Multiple guys on this team, Marcus Smart does it all the time, switch on anybody. They're not afraid of switches. If if the Cavaliers are switching, holy shit, you got mismatches all over the place, and the Celtics burn them. So the, let me bring it in just for a second. Going back to Cleveland, they will get some kind of higher energy play from these guys who have sucked on the road. They will. And 
That might win them one or two games. But, and you kind of said the same thing. When the shit hits a fan, they don't have anybody that's going to rise to the occasion outside of LeBron. They, there's just nobody on that team that can will them outside of their best player to any sort of success over any long stretch. So if the Celtics can continue to keep their discipline and defend the right way and still learn from this game that you can defend LeBron and withstand an early flurry because he scored 21 in the first quarter and then scored 21 the rest of the way, which is pretty damn good. If you can withstand that... Oh, there goes the firing range behind you. Here come the noises. <laughs> Very here come the pretzels. <laughs> that was what I was going for. <laughs> if the Celtics can withstand that energy, not wilt under the Cavaliers' home crowd, and then if these guys... Now, if Terry Rozier can play like he does at home, if he can do that on the road, then... The Celtics have an opportunity to steal one of those two games. It's, it's there for them. It's there for them. This formula works. It's not just a fluke. It's a formula now that works. How to defend LeBron. You withstand that flurry if he's going to give it to you. You don't overreact, and you don't let those shooters get off, and then you get out and you run and you take advantage of those mismatches because they're going to present themselves at some point or other, and just communicate on defense and just get back in transition. And that's it. Don't let them go nuts. Don't let them hit those transition threes. It's it's almost like a Philly game plan to you know a higher level. It's it's there. It's there for them. They can do it. They absolutely can do it because I'm just like going back and looking at the the first quarter or I guess the first half, and that is what Cleveland wanted. The first quarter, they get 21 points from LeBron James. They get uh. Three offensive rebounds from Tristan Thompson. Uh, the Celtics are not shooting. They're not making open shots. Like these are the things that you'd uh, you'd imagine the Celtics struggling with on the road. Is they're kind of their role players not making the open shots and LeBron going off. Um, but Jalen Brown was just a, a boss and kind of kept the Celtics in the game. And he didn't. He wasn't. It wasn't shots from him. I oh, I guess he did hit three threes. Never mind. He did. <laughs> downtown Jalen Brown did show up. But you think about that first quarter, and I think the first half in general, where you you would think the Cavs had the advantage. They played, they got a crazy game for a quarter from Le- or half from LeBron James. He scores 25 points. They have Kyle Korver go off uh, for 11. He was coming off screens and was actually getting a lot of space. Um, but the Celtics really kept the the they were like the Cavs never really went on an extended run, and I think the the. The Celtics are uniquely just with their defense, just the ability to get stops. Um, it, it keeps them in every single game, and so I don't think there's a lineup out there that the Cavs can run out where the where the um, Celtics don't have an answer. Like we saw a bunch of Tristan Thompson tonight, but the uh, the Celtics countered with uh, a lot of Aaron Baines. So I thought did a pretty solid job of just being a physical force, knocked down a killer three from above the break, which uh, is fantastic. Uh, but like we saw the Cavs go without any uh, a true point guard, but the Celtics actually countered with a Marcus Morris, Al Horford, Aaron Baines front line, and that was working for them. Like who knew Marcus Morris uh, at small forward would be like a viable option? But it just goes to show you the kind of the versatility that the Celtics are working with. And Brad Stevens has faith in his guys to go out there and rug, pretty much have anyone in the top eight really play defense. I mean, we saw Yabu for 13 seconds, which was hilarious and just way, way more Greg Monroe minutes than I thought were necessary. But, uh, I think everyone above that go down to Shemi Ojale, there's faith in the team that anyone can come in and step in and play solid defense. And that's going to keep the Celtics in, uh, in a lot of games. And so, and the thing is, because they have so many options on offense, you're not reliant on one guy to get you buckets. Like last year, the Celtics, it was like, you need Isaiah Thomas to score, uh, or else you're not going to win the game. But like tonight was the perfect example where, depending on the matchups, depending on who's feeling the um, themselves at the moment, they can have a number of different guys uh, just lead a quarter in scoring. And so that combined with their defense just makes them a very and combined with oh they play harder than any other team and are the most physically tough and mentally tough teams in the league. Uh, they're going to be in a lot of games. 
Oh man, I've done it again. I've talked myself into a stupor. <laughs> that happens right. every time. That's every right. time. Uh, look, uh, you got to commend, and you know, let's give give Brad a little bit of love here because Lord knows Brad he needs Stevens. Him. Yeah, I know, I know. He doesn't get Credit? much. He doesn't get Credit much. Credit for Brad. <laughs> but uh, interesting, he when they went with Tristan Thompson early in the third quarter. Uh, I think, well, Tatum had uh, an extra, he had, I think his third foul. He was getting posted up, and he just, you know, took Tatum out and put Aaron Baines in. Not because, I, I think some of it might have been the fouls, but he, he left Marcus Morris in game one with two fouls early. So not necessarily the fouls. He just saw what the matchup was happening. And Tatum was a guy who had just spent the second quarter torching the Cavaliers, and he came out out of halftime and the Thompson matchup wasn't quite working. And then he put Baines in and just kind of calmed things down a little bit. And you get Tatum back in when it's a little, a little more comfortable. It, it's those little things. Those little substitutions are, are kind of under the radar. I think he gets all the credit for the out of timeout stuff, obviously. Um, I'm not going to sit there and, and go nuts about Brad Stevens, but, that little that little adjustment there in game is, I think, first of all, some good uh, progression from Brad Stevens as a coach. In, in you know in the playoffs, uh, part of that progression is he's got more options. I don't know what other options he would have had last year at this time, but to take a guy out who's been your leading scorer in the playoffs and is a guy that you you kind of need as that matchup problem in. in and to put Baines in when you were down, like you just, he just understood that that's what the game needed. I felt like that was an important thing that, that happened in the game, kind of settled things down. So Terry Rozier can suddenly start doing his thing. And once T- Terry got going, it was a different story and, and everything started to change. But when you look at the Celtics holding the Cavaliers to 22 points in the third quarter, that's a big deal. That's a big reason why. Yeah. No, you talk, they, so Baines checks in with like nine, I have in my notes 936 left in the third, and that's right when the the Celtics go on the run and eventually um, tie it up at 66 uh, and just keep scoring from there. Uh, But you're right. That's when we saw the Marcus uh, Morris at small forward um, adjustment. And just like if the Cavs really want to muck it up and play dirty and play – not dirty, but J.R. Smith, yeah, quite dirty. uh, But just play physical. Like the the Celtics have the – the guys who can do that. And so I don't, the versatility of the Celtics and the options that Brad Stevens has and his confidence in his players to go out and execute, even if it's not by like is in their primary position, I think is huge. And then they also like the holding the, the Cavs to 22 in that quarter was impressive, but scoring 36 points uh, was downright insane. And the Cavs defense is just, no matter what they do, they like, they can have two good possessions, but they're never going to like string together five good possessions. They're always going to leave someone open. You get a paint touch and just like they collapse. I feel like they did a better job of like dealing with, uh, I guess, pick and roll and not leaving Al Horford open for pick and pops. But there's just too many situations where Rozier found himself wide open or Marcus Morris found himself wide open. Uh, and I just, they, they are not good. And it, it's, I don't want to question their effort because they're NBA players like trying in the playoffs. Like they, this is their profession. I'm assuming that they're trying their hardest, but it's just like their commitment to the extra rotation or playing like communicating on defense. It just doesn't seem to be there. And I don't know what, like I'm like, I, I try not to have hot takes. I try not to be like, uh, the, the Celtics are the best team in the world, but I'm really like trying to figure out what the what the solution is for the Cavs if because they just can't string stops together. They no. just have never been able to do that. And LeBron can't play like free safety just because the Celtics when they go um, when they have Marcus Morris on the court and Al Horford's at the five, there's no real guy you can leave because they have deadly not deadly but competent enough three point shooting. So I just don't know what the answer is for the. Like, on offense, I think this, the Cavs can just rely on LeBron to be great and expect their role players to shoot a little bit better. But on defense, they, they just don't have a solution. No, they don't. They don't. I think that's uh, basically how, how this is summed up. That it is going to be um, 
the Cavaliers trying to outscore the Celtics with a bunch of guys who aren't scoring and whether they can do it in in Cleveland as opposed to their lack of scoring in Boston that that's going to that's going to have to be it there, there's no adjustment that can be made on the Cavaliers part that's going to fix their defense there's just none they can't there's nothing they can do all they can do is find some combination of players around LeBron that unlock something to make them score, to make LeBron not have to score 40. Okay, that that's it. That's whatever adjustment that is. Whether they go deeper into the bench and get, you know, Chetty Osman or somebody with a, a higher motor and a desire to go out there and at least play hard, or if it's just smacking George Hill in the face and saying, wake up and go hit some shots, whatever it is, that's their adjustment. That, and, and that's right where we are. That's where we are. The Celtics right now are the better overall team. And it's going to take the best player in the series, LeBron, to, to just get to some crazy level with other guys that make that crazy level completely uh, unguardable. You know, so that's it. That's it. That's where we are. So we'll see. Let's get to a couple of tweets and a junk drawer and get on out of here. So let's hit the Raymond Jays hashtag uh, from at Mauricio Green BR. LeBron have uh, Enigma to answer. Go supernova in the first and lose in the end, or go supernova in the end and lose in the first. Uh, I guess that's the question for LeBron. He's he's not going to go supernova for all four quarters. So he, I thought he might have been saving something for the end. He did not. Uh, Jeff Morris at GF Morris. Which of the 11 Celtics that departed last season would crack the eight man lineup this year? Well, healthy Isaiah Thomas would, but that's about it. I think Jay Crowder might. I think the Cavs, that was a good tweet. I forget who tweeted that out, but someone said, man, the Cavs could really use Jay Crowder right now. And I, yeah. I don't have to agree. Like the, a guy who, uh, Tries real hard and defends and can knock down threes. They they could have used him. Yeah, totally. Uh, let's see. Um, Andre Jones at Dre underscore Factor X six nine one. I am a relocated homer, but these last seven games should have the league on notice for twenty eighteen nineteen. Spoiler alert: they're fucked. So yeah, the last seven games. This is the classic thing, right? This Celtics team that is two wins away from the NBA Finals. And whatever happens there happens. I'm not putting too much stock into that right now. Got to get there first. But then, oh, by the way, you're adding uh, Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward. Jeez. They should be pretty good. Should be pretty, should good. Be pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Justin Edwards. Yep. Uh, I, was, I wasn't fretting at any point. Kai Zen says process over result, and that worked here when I talked about uh, withstanding the early flurry, Kaizen. That's the way to go. Kaizen, my brothers. Kaizen. Uh, <laughs> a lot of smart, a lot of smart, uh, things. Pay the man. Uh, Kayla King. Danny needs to pay Marcus Smart. Would be dumb to let him go. Uh, Alien Dave. Listen, I understand that Smart is out there. He can't be bargained with. It can't be reasoned with. <laughs> and so on and so on. Uh, lots of Marcus Smart love. Um, yeah, and they were, now we're starting to get some crossover because people are using the Rain and Jays hashtag for Rain and Junk type stuff. But uh, that's basically the way things have gone. Uh, and now on to the Rain and Junk hashtag, which is a lot of fun. At Chris Volkernick, uh, Ride or Die Smarf, who is, uh, looks like he's getting ready to knock J.R. Smith out. And I think Tristan Thompson caught his arm and saved him there. What's perfect about that is Smart ran up and immediately defended uh, Al Horford's honor, but didn't throw a punch. He basically waited for uh, for Jr. was the one to shove him first. It was just brilliantly executed, uh, kind of faux tough guy basketball. Not that I'm saying that Marcus Smart is uh, not tough, but he he played it perfectly for for a league where punches are not going to be thrown. He made his presence felt, but uh, did not do anything to get himself thrown out of the game. And then Brad got in there real quick, yes, uh, and got him to the bench. It was just uh, 
Brad knows the situation. He likes the fire, but he knows Marcus Smart is very important to this team. Yes, absolutely. And Marcus, after the game, flat out calling J.R. Smith dirty, said that's a dirty shot. It's now the first time J.R. has done dirty stuff, uh, especially playing against us. He called J.R. Smith a bully and said it's, it's basically it's like a bully and you got to stand up to him. So he basically shots fired. Marcus Smart laying, laying it all out in the line for uh, for that post game. So we'll see how that all turns out. Vandell Harris at Vandell 78. J.R. Smith has a tattoo of Jordan dunking on his right arm. What a waste of ink. <laughs> um, I, at I am Mr. Heat Miser, can we see a shot of Embiid in the head of Mook again? Oh, does anyone even remember who Embiid is anymore? I do not. I sir, I do. I don't whatsoever. Oh. I don't know what he's referencing, but sure. Well, we can see that. Whatever you want. We won. Uh, at Poya is emissary. Uh, I demand the rain and junk give us at least one anti Lou Merloni rant using this quote as a junk, jumping off point, and it's referring to Jalen Brown afterwards talking to Doris Burke, saying, you know, she asked about Al Horford, and he said basically, we look up to a guy like that, and quote, that's why they pay him the big bucks. So uh, I don't know how much shit talking I want to do about Lou Merloni. We've- I want to do it, man. This guy, this MFer, sweet Lou Merloni, for like oh, just him moving the goalpost. I see him tweeting now. People are tweeting at him. It's like, oh, I, I always thought he could do this. No, you didn't. You nicknamed him Average Al. You basically just shat all over him and said he was an average player who didn't deserve the money. And then you got a lot of pushback because it was a bad take. And now he's been playing out of his mind, and you just completely ignored the fact that he was the best defensive player uh, the entire year. And you know what? Maybe he didn't score 20 points a game because he had Kyrie Irving, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum on his team. Like, he was not the focal point of the offense. And for you just to focus on counting statistics is absurd. And now that you've been proven wrong, you completely just move the goalposts, forget entirely that you've just dubbed this man average Al. And basically crapped all over him. And now you're saying, oh, well, I thought he could play this game. This is the way you should always play. It's it's poppycock is what it is. And I'm not here for it. It's it's just entirely frustrating. And, um, yes, that rant over. I don't know. I've run out of I, steam. He's made me very upset. I've lost my train of thought. I, I agree. I'm, as you were ranting, I, I did kind of come on over to his timeline just to see, um, you know, what can you say about this? It's here's a guy that basically watches a couple of games here and there, maybe not even the whole game. He doesn't understand. He just doesn't understand. I can't. I can't. It's like it's like me saying, you know what, Mookie Betts, uh, he should just go three for four every game. He should just hit more home runs. Yeah. And it's like, well, I, well, well, then when he does it, see, told you he could right. do it. Well, right. of course he can do it, but like you're ignoring everything, a single other contribution he does to the game, but. Yep, see? Told you. He should have done it. Should have played better. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's obnoxious. Yes. It is obnoxious. I'm, uh, I, I, what can you do? What can you do? Like, this is, I'm not, I feel like I'm picking on the guy because he just doesn't know. He's just too ignorant to understand the. That's true. That, we should not be picking on those who are, uh, of less intellect than us. I'm, I'm, that's it's basically what it boils down. <laughs> that was one of the douchier things I've said by the high stand. <laughs> but look, if you don't watch and you don't understand the game, then you can't make stupid comments like that because the charge for the average Al thing has always been led by the idiots out there that just only look at a box score and go, "Oh, how come Celtics lost? How come we only had 11 points? Uh, what do you mean? It's, uh, what we're paying this guy for?" Like that, no, that's, you gotta watch, you gotta understand what's happening. You gotta understand nuance, you gotta understand maybe, you know, where he is in his career. At the end of the season, he's clearly coasting. There are a lot of different things, getting himself prepared for this moment, and he's finally stepped up and showed everybody what he's capable of. This is where it counts. And what, I guess if there's one thing that bothers me, it's that Horford, because of the way he's been treated by these people before, is not getting the credit now. Usually what would happen when somebody does this, he would get lauded for being the guy who steps up in the playoffs. He did it last season, and when we tried to bring it up, 
this season and say, hey, look at the playoffs he had last season. They go, oh, that was last season. All right. Well, he's doing it again this season. And you know what's going to happen next season? Al Horford's going to have a regular season where you're not going to be so fond of his numbers. And next playoffs, he's going to have this thing happen again. Because that's what he does. Because during the regular season, he's all about getting other people involved. He'll step up when he has to. Maybe sometimes he won't. Maybe sometimes he'll coast and be like, I'm just going to save myself. That shit's going to happen. But that is just... I'm letting myself get a little out of control here. Take a breath. That is the... Just Al Horford understanding the game, understanding what the team needs, and understanding what the game needs. And not worrying about his own statistics. And Al Horford is the most indispensable player on this team. Al Horford has been the most indispensable player on this team. Al Horford is one of the reasons, if not the main reason, why the Celtics are here, two wins away from the NBA Finals. And only because he does not want this level, like Brad Stevens, does not want this level of uh, uh, praise. He's not going out there and searching for it. He's not worried about being me, 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 or anything like that. He's happy to have the team succeed. This team does not succeed without Al Horford, and that's the end of the story. So we'll just leave it at that. Let's do a junk drawer and get out of here. All right. Uh, First off, I want to give myself a pat on the back for being part of the uh, UConn Sociology Department's uh, official curriculum. (laughs) That was great. Uh, for people who don't know, we were t- so I tweeted out an old uh, the 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 podcast from well, a couple months ago where Sam did an interview with Brad Stevens on the whole growth menta- uh, growth mindset, and it was a great show. I figured let me just kind of throw this back out there in case anybody has missed it. Maybe some of, now there's a lot more national attention on us. Let's kind of put that out there. And uh, someone who was at UConn said they were talking, they did a class on the growth mindset, and the podcast was part of the requirement of the class. So, Jam Packard, Educating America. Or I've always thought UConn. I should be molding young minds, and so I'm just glad that the that professor agreed with me. Um, so I had to pat myself on the back for that. Uh, the lotteries was tonight, and Rich Gotham and Elton Brand were sitting at the same tiny desk. I thought that was a fun visual. Uh, the Celtics newsflash did not get the second or third pick or second through, uh, yeah, second or third pick. And so they, the, it will be, we comes official hashtag Kings pick. Um, and the Kings got the second pick, but it's the Sacramento Kings. You know, they're going to mess it up. They've been drafted in the top 10 for the past 10 years and they're still, uh, awful. Um, but I just thought the image of Gotham and Brand sitting at the same tiny desk was, uh, was comedy gold. Um, and by the way, since we're on the uh, the, the lottery, uh, the Cavaliers got the eighth pick. That Brooklyn pick ended up eighth. So uh, I saw somebody tweet it out. I lost the tweet. But basically they traded at the end. What they have is the eighth pick, uh, Ante Zizic, and a bunch of guys that combined for three points tonight. <laughs> yes. For Kyrie Irving. Uh, for Kyrie Irving. Um, Big Poppy was in the crowd tonight wearing an Al Horford jersey, and uh, I like to see that. I just want to, uh, again, take credit for Al Horford signing in Boston. Uh, when the Celtics lost to the Hawks in the in the playoffs, uh, I went up and asked Al Horford about um, his connections to uh, Dominican baseball players, specifically David Ortiz and Manny Ramirez. And then in that offseason, he signs with the Boston Celtics. Like, I don't think he would have made that connection if it wasn't for me. And so I just want to give myself credit for that. It's a lot of patting myself on the back early on in this junk drawer. Um, and you better expect that to happen because uh, I have total control of this segment. Um, uh, Perk was on the court in the first quarter for every single like LeBron James bucket. And it just made me laugh because Perk is hilarious. Uh, Aaron Baines and Larry Nance got in a real fun tussle. And I just I, I admire Larry Nance for trying to go after Aaron Baines like that. I would not advise it, but he did it. Um the war on Semi needs to end. He took one of the most blatant charges in the history of charges tonight, and it was called a foul. And later in the game, he actually got a foul called on him when he went to the layup. So maybe maybe the tide is turning, but my man, Semi can't catch a break. It's it's really absurd. That was an egregious charge call. I agree. Um, 
Uh, Brad Stevens has hands. He just was, boom, immediate catch when Kevin Love threw a terrible pass, and I think we have to give him credit for that. Uh, there was a moment in the game where it was tied at uh, 69-69, so I'm going to give that a double tice. Um, Mook, after uh, he got fouled with an and one by Tristan Thompson, and just the uh, image of him screaming in Tristan Thompson's face was fantastic. Hilarious. Hilarious. That is, I'm already seeing it be memed, uh, and it's going to be a meme for for times to come, especially for the rest of the series. Uh, Terry Rozier had a very ambitious fast break dunk. Uh, it was a crazy kind of loose ball. Jalen Brown did a great job to tip it towards Rozier, going towards the Celtics basket, and you could see LeBron James was about half court, and I was. It felt like everyone in the crowd was prepared for the LeBron James classic chase down block. And there's like a real – like an actual before Rozier dunked it, like a silence like crept over the entire stadium. And then he just threw it down and LeBron didn't even contest it. And I just was like, wow, Tito. Yeah. That is – that takes some gumption. And so I was all there for it. Um, my random musical comment of the night, Slam by Onyx is a wonderful song and should be played at every basketball match. Um, and then Terry Rozier was wearing two different Kyrie – Sneakers yeah. tonight. Yeah. I didn't notice that whatsoever, but I thought that was a cool move. And then uh, finally, I just want to uh, officially welcome uh, Abby Chin to Weird Celtics Twitter because she had a, a a tweet tonight that I think said the phrase combat muscles 17 times. So, Abby, thank you. Uh, thank you for joining us here on Weird Celtics Twitter. We're welcome to have like, – we're just very thrilled to have you here. Awesome. That's a, that's a wonderful addition to the team. Okay. Let's wrap this sucker up, Ben. Celtics win 107-94. Uh, just, what are we going to do, man? We were two wins away from the NBA Finals. Celtics have it right in their right in their hands. Let's see if they can win game three. Man, can you imagine if they win game three on Saturday? Holy shit. Holy shit. Oh, my God. The, Le- 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 LeBron is leaving things. They- LeBron might not oh even God. show up for game four. That would be, wow. But we'll see. Hey, by the way, check out the Lockdown Cavaliers podcast. They're, they are our friends. Uh, I'll be doing a crossover show going into game three. So that'll be the Friday podcast here. And uh, But go check them out. Go download them. It's always good to hear what those guys have to say, especially after a game like this, because we want to know what kind of adjustments they're going to make, and they're going to be the ones who know. So uh, that's it. If you are not a subscriber, if you're one of the Cavs fans or a converted Celtics fan, come on over. Subscribe. Search for Lockdown Celtics wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a good review. Uh, we were in the top 200 on the uh, iTunes rankings this week. So, hey, hey. Yeah, baby. Top 200. We're cracking that list. we got to push higher, though. So I need more five-star reviews and more good reviews and more shares. Let everybody know they should be listening to us. The Locked On Celtics Podcast. We're part of the Locked On Podcast. Kaizen. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.